Hey, what's up? It is the Man Fused Podcast. I am Kay Lee, your host, audio producer, sitting here with my co-host, Ben H. What's up? Mr. Real Estate. We have a guest in studio. His name is Jason Lyle. We're going to get with him in a second. Now, Jason has a very unique story. He um, entered the ministry at a pretty young age, became a minister or pastor. I'm not sure if I know the difference, if there is one. Went through some hard times and started something called AIR. It's um, Adventures in Recovery. And he specializes on helping people who are experiencing addiction, PTSD, a bad childhood, a a black storm cloud that might be following you, anything that might be holding you back in life. So on this episode, we're going to offer you some solutions to maybe fixing those things. And uh, let's not waste any more time. Jason Lyle, welcome to the show, man. Welcome. Hey, man. Thank you. We are honored, and you are, as Ben just said, a distinguished gentleman. (laughs) Distinguished guest. And a gentleman. And a gentleman. Yeah. That's yeah. going a little far. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll take it. So take before it. I... A journeyman. Before I even go into how Jason <laughs> is in our studio right now, I was on his website, adventuresinrecovery.org. Recoveryadventures.org. Recoveryadventures.org. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I was thinking air. You're good, man. That domain name was taken. Should you redo the intro now? Oh, no, no. Because it's not even no, called air? No, it is. That, oh, that it is, is That's like air. a... Yeah, that's like... what. Like their product is air, but their website does not reflect reflect that because some asshole yeah. already, <laughs> already got had it. air. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, who would have thought of just buying air? Adventures in Recovery is a cool name. That's right, air. Yeah, but I, there was I was on his website and I saw that his blog and I thought it said a lot and I wanted to start off by reading this beautiful poem. All right, well hold on first because it's all about getting fresh air. Mm-hmm. So was that yes. the whole thing? You're like air, we got to get air, and then adventures in recovery is an acronym for it is, and then air. air is also the very essence of life. Dang, I mean you just don't live without air. Boom. No. So, yeah. yeah, if we're gonna take it that deep, we're going boom. that deep. All right, <laughs> you ready? ready? Okay, into the wild. Simply being present in nature brings us closer to ourselves. There are frequent uncomfortable circumstances that require us to feel ourselves in ways conditioned homes prevent. Bug bites, rain, heat, cold, and many other circumstances teach us control is an illusion. Most people try hard to get away from discomfort, but Jason believes healing comes from discomfort. When I head out into nature, I am stepping into a primal world where I share something with my ancestors who lived thousands of years ago. With everything I need to survive on my back, I move from one location to another using the oldest method of transportation, walking. Hiking slows life down and forces humans to be focused on the simple art of staying alive. In wilderness, things such as cooking food, gathering water, and going to the bathroom are more difficult than at home. These tasks take me out of my comfort zone and place me where healing my soul can happen. Step one of the 12 steps, we admit we are powerless, that our habit has whipped us. There is no more powerless feeling than a spring thunderstorm during the night. You try desperately to sleep while at the same time hoping your tent is staked out properly and there are no deadfalls close by. But it doesn't have to be as extreme as the weather. Maybe it's just the fact water is a half mile away from camp. In nature, you just have to accept what is. You can attempt to avoid obstacles, but in the end, nature wins. There is no way to control everything in nature. There is no faucet, power outlet, 
thermostat, just you and what you can carry. Addiction is a place of bondage. Nature is a place of freedom. I love that right there. Addiction tries to control what is out of control, and nature shows us what is in control. Addiction destroys lives. Nature shows that in every death, there is new life. Nature teaches us the power of not being in control and to embrace and love the things we can. We celebrate when we take a creek bath or find that perfect tent spot. Nature is a place of gratitude. Nature is where air takes participants to look deeply into themselves and work toward being free from addiction. Nature does the work. I like that, man. I do too. That's I mean, beautiful. It really is. I mean, the comparisons are just vivid. I mean, and it's so true because you are alive when you are in nature. Mm -hmm. And you are like, you're a nature guy. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I find it fascinating what you do and how you use nature. And it, it's just commonplace in nature. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, so how we met was... Um, one of my mentors, one of my employers, a guy that I work for, and uh, a partner with the Manfuse podcast, Bert Weiss, was on an airplane. I forgot where he was going. Um, Ukraine with Poland. Oh, oh yeah, okay. that's right. That's when he was going to Poland. Yeah. He's going to Poland, and Bert says it all the time when he gets on an airplane. He hates it when people talk to him, yeah. but apparently he sat down next to you, and you guys talked for a long time. Yeah. You were on your way to Africa. Uganda. Yeah. Uganda. How many times have you been to Uganda? Uh, I have no idea, man, but what? quite a few. Yeah. Wow. So you guys talked and you guys swapped numbers and have forged a relationship and you guys have hung out and you guys kind of talk. And Bert had told Ben and I, he's like, man, you got to talk to Jason. He'd be great on your podcast. And I was like, just tell me a little bit about your story. I'm like, say no more. <laughs> he sounds perfect. And so, like I said, once again, welcome. And those words you can find at recoveryadventures.org. So give us a little bit about your story, uh, Jason. I find it fascinating. You're adopted. You were adopted. Mm -hmm. Yep. And how old were you when you were adopted? 21 days. I was in the foster care system for 21 days when my parents got me. Well, that's kind of a blessing. Yeah, in I mean, some ways, yeah. Some yeah. people I, no, well, well, let me interrupt you there. Yeah, it is a blessing. I, mean, I, I was a lucky kid. I mean, I, I got picked up by a great family and grew up in a great environment. But that's also a bit of the quandary at the same time because people look at you and go, well, why do you feel like you have adoption issues? You know, you were adopted mm -hmm. when you were a child. And we know now from science that, you know, the, the lower parts of the brain can remember things that the higher parts cannot. And so you end up with these difficult behaviors that nobody understands because they're hung up in your central nervous system or your autonomic nervous system. And so, yeah, being adopted young is a blessing or, or whatever word we want to use, but it also carries with it a bit of a lens that you see the world by that you really don't know why you do see the world by that lens. That's an interesting take. Yep. Well, there's a separation anxiety too, I mean, for, for newborn babies. Yeah. And certainly within the first few weeks. Few um, hours, yeah. Within the first few hours, but for that 21-day period of time to not have your biological mother, mm -hmm. which is what you needed as, mm -hmm. as a baby, must have been devastating. Mm -hmm. I mean in a way that's unexplainable because as a newborn baby you don't even know what to expect mm -hmm. you just know you want your mom you want that voice that you've been hearing for right nine you've been inside months. of yeah. you, you've been growing inside of her body and so forth and now you're all alone effectively 
And what's really interesting about what we're talking about is you can take kids that were born prematurely and taken from their mom for the first two weeks of their life and put in a little tent, you right. know, in that sterile environment, and they display the same exact attributes as wow. adoptees do because it has everything to do with. Um, and I'm working on a book right now, and the very first chapter starts talking about imprinting foals. I worked with horses for a little while, and when a horse is first born, you want to imprint it, and what that means is you want to put your hands on it so that you are a part of that foal's imprinting. Right. Because we know that the very first hours of life are very impressionable. Yes. And it's the same thing for, for babies. I mean, and it's birds, just too. Is that why, like, birds, like, if you touch, if, like, a human scent yeah. is touched or a hatchling or whatever, like, they'll abandon it. That's what I understand. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's kind of the same thing. But, yeah, that imprint, you die, and I've never really thought about that. You hear about people coming up in the foster system, you know, five, six, seven years old, where on a conscious level, they might have witnessed some bad shit, which is why they are there. Yeah. And it's more obvious as to why maybe they are behaving the way they are behaving mm -hmm. because of what they've witnessed. But very rarely, I've never thought about, okay, well, you were picked up you know, at that early, early mark and brought into a good home. So it's like, I would have never thought, oh, that lack of not having that initial bond, that imprint, mm -hmm. you know, would cause you to maybe later in life have some issues from it or, or see the world differently from it. Issues might not be the, no, the issues, right word. No, yeah, it's the right word. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, it, but the problem comes in, and I think that's what kind of what we're talking about. Those issues seem unwarranted. Yeah, you know, people will go. Well, you know, you had a you had a great family, man. Like you, you were right. born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Yeah, both you guys. I'm assuming grew up in a traditional home. Both parents, or at least one parent. If you had the first 21 days of your life erased that you didn't know anything about, don't know what time you're born, don't know what hospital you're born in, don't know what city you're born in, don't know where you were for 21 days. It is a very untethered feeling. It's almost as if it separates you from reality. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I've, I've never really thought about that. And that's uh, that's pretty powerful. And I think that's a good thing to think about when you're dealing with somebody because you never know what's somebody's complete story. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you just know what you've that snippet that you're seeing him in, you know, present time. And so you get into this foster family. You have a great home. Do you still, are, are they still alive? Uh, my mom died in 2020 and my dad is still alive. My dad is uh, 80. Four. Wow. 84 years old and just drove up to Blue Ridge last weekend to be in the mountains and drove to Alpharetta. He lives south of Atlanta. He drove to Alpharetta Sunday night to have dinner with us. So he's still, cool. he's still driving. Yeah. That's amazing. I don't know if he should be or not, yeah. but he's doing it. So when you were growing up in this family, you had a close tie to the church? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I grew up in church. I tell everybody I had a drug problem. I got drugged to church on Sunday morning, drugged yeah. to church on Sunday night, <laughs> yeah. church on Wednesday night. Right. Uh, and when I was listening to your story, because I was listening to one of, you have a podcast as well, mm -hmm. um, and it's called... Freeology. The Freeology, Freeology Podcast, yeah. I was doing a little digging on you, wanted to you know get some backstory, uh, and it was something I heard actually on the way here to this recording that you, know, you kind of always felt like something was left out of you. Mm-hmm. And I, you didn't spell it out exactly like what you were interested in, but at a young age, it almost seemed like you were looking at Playboy and Penthouse magazines mm -hmm. or, or like Smut magazines sure. or something yep. like that. Oh, yeah. But by do, and how old were you then? Eight. Nice. Okay, very cool. So, but that being in the church, mm -hmm. different churches have different 
themes and um, beliefs on, you know, what you'll go to hell for, what you shouldn't <laughs> do, what you'll be, you know, forgiven for. And, uh, and what kind of church was it? Baptist. Okay. Yeah. So that's more of one of the stricter ones. It's hardcore. Yeah. I grew up in the Baptist arena as well. We were Episcopal. That was the whole idea. But I ended up in you know, Christian school, basically, which was Baptist. So yeah. I know all about Baptist. Okay. And, you know, it's not that it's a bad community. It's just, it's it's pretty hardcore. You right. know, as a child, you are subjected to ideas of death and torture and what it's going to be like that are just a little extreme. And it honestly goes more into selling hell than heaven. Yeah. Interesting. Which is interesting. You know. So I'll give you a little example of that. So when I was eight years old, went down the aisle, got saved, and that was right after I discovered pornography. Yeah. Um, and so I go down the aisle, get saved, and everybody's, you know, they baptize me a couple weeks later and you know, it's like, Oh, you know, you're 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 saved now, you're saved now. But these, you know, all this starts to progress forward a little bit. And then I get to be thirteen and I'm in youth group, right? Mm -hmm. And the youth minister one night starts talking about pornography and masturbation. Mm. And he starts talking about how God hates those things mm. and about how they're a curse and how if those are the things that you do, then you're probably not really saved. And Oof. so now think about this guy. Guys, That's I'm, harsh, I'm 13 dude. now. Check this out. I call my pastor. Yeah. Our church is 1,000 people, 1,500 people. I don't know how many 13-year-olds you know that are calling their pastor for an appointment. But <laughs> I, I call him. I'm like, hey, I, I need to talk to you. Go into his office. And I just spill my guts. Right. right? I'm jerking off every day of the week. I can't fucking help it. Ah, I'm going to do it right here. That's I like looking at naked girls. That's pretty close. Yeah. And he <laughs> says to me, he says, don't worry about it, son. You're saved. You're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't have to anything to worry about. And I walk, and I swear to you, I walked out of my office, out of his office, and I'm walking down the hallway thinking he does not know what he's talking about. Right. There's no way that's right. Yeah. Because I knew somehow inherently inside of me that what I was doing was not doing what it was designed to do. Does that make sense? Like, yes. I somehow knew inside of me that there was not that. And don't hear me say that it's wrong. I don't think that's wrong at all. Matter of fact, I raised both my kids knowing that it's. Not. And looking back on it now, I did know that there was something in me that was missing. And I was trying to put that in that place. Looking back on that now, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? I mean, if yeah. you have a young child that's looking for his mother, does it not make sense that he's going back to his mother to try to find that place? And very specifically, the place that he came from, right? So right. it's a epigenetic kind of idea, but it's it's very much there, and it's very real. Well, when I heard that snippet... Can uh, I raise this up a little bit? Uh, Just a pinch. Yeah, sorry. No, you're good. I, okay, perfect yeah. right there. Thank sorry you. about that. Nope. Um, when I heard that, though, I'm like, okay, I did not grow up in the church. First off, my parents were, I guess, both sides before they got divorced. Uh, they were Jewish. But when I lived in New York, we had a Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. Every fucking year. Mm -hmm. Santa's fat ass came down the chimney. I didn't even know of anything that, you know, had to do really with the Jewish religion. I really wasn't exposed to it. Mm -hmm. But that being said, I didn't grow up in any rigorous, like, oh, you're going to hell type thing. So when I hear you say that, and mm -hmm. I'm like, that's all? Mm -hmm. I'm like, fuck. I mean, shit. I 
I mean, as males, especially, I believe, as they start to hit pre-pubescence, you know, if they decide what, ooh, at first it's, they have cooties, and then before you know it, something switches, then it's like, oh, well, that chick's a little fine. Or, right. if they, depending on how you're going, he's fine. I don't really know. Whatever. Right. Right. You start to form that, what you're into, I would believe, what you find attractive about the same sex or the opposite sex. And looking at, you know, naked girls on magazines and stuff, it just seems like the natural progression well because it is it's it's not unnatural at all but i think for me it was more that what was natural was quickly becoming unnatural and it Mm. carried on over into my teenage years and and what i mean unnatural i don't mean like you know bestiality and crazy shit like that (laughs) what were you really but but it was more relational when i was like 10 years old i had a relationship with a 16 year old nothing happened right but she was like infatuated with me and I was infatuated with her. And I, and at first I was like, well, that's kind of cute. And then after about two months, you're like, okay, that's just weird. Right. right? What's going on there is just weird. But I was completely infatuated and, and that carried on into high school, you know, and, yeah. and girl after girl after girl after girl. And it just turned into a, a shit show after a while. So I think for me, it, it was less about the act of what was happening and probably more about the intention behind it. It wasn't just mindless actions. There was more to it. What do you feel like? the ultimate intention was uh to get back to my birth mother now knowing what i know now and have you ever had the opportunity to meet your birth mother looked for in 2003 and she had died one year before i'm sorry Mm. to hear that man and so you had no information on your original father your biological father yeah he had died too it's really strange but she died with huntington's disease i don't know if you guys know what that is i've heard of it and once you tell me i'm gonna be like oh yeah it's a version it's presents like parkinson's okay and but since my mother had it i have a 50 percent chance of getting it it's a half gene mutation but i'm 52 now so chances are it won't show up but she died with it her mother died with it her uncle died with it her grandparents died with it like yeah i mean it was it was pretty pretty bad that's scary i find that out too right (laughs) (laughs) and and i'm a pastor at the time so the, I mean, dude, there's a whole story in there, and I know you're trying to... No, I want to... I mean, like, this is what people really want to hear. Oh. Like, I don't want to say we're trying to uh, be entertained by the drama of your life, but no one wants to hear a perfect story of how your existence has been this just fantasy with no, like, you know, rough spots that really how you share and how you help others is by your story and what you've overcome and, and what you've experienced, in my yeah. opinion. So check this out. We went to a church and we had friends that went to church there and I had went into the ministry. And How uh, old were you at this uh, point? 33. 33. And I had started seminary and uh, I was in seminary and we had some friends. Uh, we had planted a church as well. It was called the Open Range Church. We met in a barn on Tuesday nights to kind of keep it a little different, mixed up, you know. We had some friends. They came over for dinner one night, and um, the wife says, so when was your birthday? And I kind of tell her back and forth, and she's in her 50s. I'm in my 30s. Well, I'm on my way to seminary the next day. You know, here I am. I'm thinking, well, I'm serving the Lord, and, you know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. My phone rings. It's her. We talk for an hour about horses because I had a pretty good ride to seminary. Horses, and we were working with kids and children's homes at the time. It's kind of a theme in my life. And we get off the phone, hang up. So I'm at seminary, got to go. And I'm walking into the school and my phone rings again. It's her and she's just squalling, just crying uncontrollably. And I said, what's wrong? She said, I put a boy up for adoption and I think you're him. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So exactly. And so 
I'm like, you know, beside myself. And, and so in my mind at this time, I'm like, well, look, you know, this is awesome. You know, I decided I'm going to give my life to God and God has sent my biological mother. And, you know, I go to visit with her and I write her this long letter and I'd sit down with her. And we're chatting it. And the next day we go to breakfast. We're laughing about how we both put grits on our toast. Just all these little things. Right. And so for me, it was like, oh, my God, this is really happening. You know, yeah. and that night she goes, hey, I've got an idea how we can find out for sure. She said, Georgia has the Georgia Adoption Reunion Registry. You go on and register, and then I'll go on and register. And then they'll just pair us up. And so yeah. I went home that night, got on the internet, you know, it was dial up at the time. And mm -hmm. so I sit there and I, I upload my information and I'm sitting there waiting by the phone, waiting by the phone, waiting by the phone. Nothing happens. And finally she calls. She goes, I found my son. He's in Ohio. Oh. Yeah, man. Yeah. Right. Oh. So in that moment, what's the thought process? Dang. Right. Well, God, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, it was my yeah. thought process. Like, what? Right. what is that? Yeah. Like, you mean to tell me, man, like, I'm, I'm 33. I sold my plumbing company to go into seminary right. and pastor a church and this is the shit sandwich I get? Like, right. no, nah, man. So, so did you take that as a sign that you needed to go find your biological mom? Mm -hmm. And then she was dead. Oh. <laughs> right? The hits just keep on coming. Right. What, like, what road are you trying to lead me down? <laughs> yeah. That, that's crazy. And this was another uh, thing because uh, when listening to some audio about you when, you know, you were ha having this this feeling that something was missing, you know, God left something out. But then you kind of double down and you go into the ministry, mm -hmm. the same place that is making you feel mm -hmm. like there's something left out of you. Mm -hmm. Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the Manfuse podcast. Feel free to join the show. Hit us up at manfuse.com or by calling or texting 770-744-5227.